Hello and welcome to a Getting Fuzzier by the Day episode of radio, <laughs> um, a podcast and a live stream brought to you by the Entrepreneurs Organization in South Africa. Uh, I am your host, Ross Drakes, and with me today is my co-host, Mr. Richard Mulholland. Always good to be with you. And it's just the two of us today, Ross. So uh, Ross and I have been trying to do, we think we're going to do every, uh, we do two episodes with guests. And then every now and then we like to have our own episodes where we kind of reflect and we go through things. We can maybe reflect on some of the conversations of guests and some of the stuff we've been going through as well. And that today is one of those episodes. So uh, just to just to kick it off, uh, Rich, it's it's been a month since we had that first episode where we were discussing the, the habits that we wanted to keep and the things that we were trying in our businesses. Um, what have you tried in your business that failed? Um, can, can you share some of those stories with us? <laughs> yes. Okay. First thing I want to do, though, because I think, I think um, it's very funny that you said it's been a month. The first thing I want to say is how crazy has it been a month? Never before has a month felt like... When I reflect on something now that happened six weeks ago, it was such a completely different world. And by the way, I don't mean like pre-COVID-19. I mean, earlier on in this, there's been so many iterations and changes. So let's go to the first. When we started, uh, my first hypothesis was company. I knew companies had to go online, right? So I knew that businesses had to take the uh, people couldn't not lead their teams and they couldn't do it in person. So they had to do it online. And that hypothesis is still relatively solid. My first thought was, well, um, we're all facing the same objective. So why don't we prepackage and build a conference perfectly up front, a conference in a box that has content predefined and all of these things. And then we'll just slot your content in. We'll set it to a fraction of the price of a normal event. You put this whole thing on. It's got the speakers. It's got everything. And it was probably the, the one that took us the longest to package because there was lots of moving parts trying to think about. And we sold none of them. Not a single one. However, <laughs> I mean, yeah. And I thought it was so great. Like, I was so excited. We came up with two different ones. We actually had ideas for four, but we just launched with two. Um, what has happened is people would phone us and say, hey, I want to talk about the conference in a box. We'd start telling them what it is. They say, well, no, we don't want that. But what we do want is, and we sold them something else. Uh, and then the other thing, that, that why I don't regret it, is thank goodness we had something to keep busy with that first week. Because even though nobody bought it, just the act of working towards something and being really busy and excited kept me sane. Uh, I mean, I love that. And, and I think I can echo that. I mean, we we started in the, the same place a lot of people did was, you know, we're a communications or a branding company. So we were like, we can help people communicate around COVID-19. But what it did is it unlocked this idea that could we build something that defied our current billing model. So generally, we charge charge fairly high rates to do custom bespoke work. And this thing was the same messages done for people um, that could be quickly rebranded and then sold once again at a fraction a fraction of the price. Um, <clears throat> and one person signed up for it, but unfortunately for that, it didn't make business sense to keep going because yeah. we, we, we priced it according to a volume game and we didn't actually achieve the volume. How much, how much volume were you hoping for? How, how far yeah, off think, the mark were you with one? Uh, we needed six other clients to make it viable for us yeah. To, yeah. to do. Um, but the, the other thing that, that we did is, is 
you know, like I saw education. I was like, everyone's going to need education. Um, and instead of trying to educate people, I was like, well, can we help the actual educators do stuff better? So, you know, I was like, that's an interesting insight. And we're all quite tech savvy at nice work. So it was quite easy for us to look at the different pieces of software. And we'd used a lot of them. And we wanted to offer people helping them guidance, you know, giving them guidance on how to, to get their learning online in a meaningful way. Um, and, and we sold a whopping great total of zero of them, even though I had over a hundred like conversations nice. about it. Um, so and what's it's, the positive uh, takeaway? Yeah, you know, I think it's, I went too far away from what we're good at. Like I, I was trying to, I was trying to edge a branding company or a, a communications company into the space of being a technical advisor. It was just, it was just too far away from where we were. Um, for people to actually take us seriously because when they were asking us for case studies and things, they were completely irrelevant and all of the experience that we'd had didn't actually back any of that that up. Even though we were perfectly capable of, of delivering the service, it just didn't fit with with the brand and the, the positioning we have built. You know, in Missing Link, we always have that structure. Give them a reason to care. Give them a reason to believe. Tell them what they need to know. Tell them what they need to do. You had everything except for the reason to believe. Yeah, it's, it's not, and and that's a stumbling block for people. Like they know they can trust you, but can they 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 trust what you're saying? But can they trust that you can deliver upon it? No. Well, I think nobody nobody could. I mean, the other thing was it was also we you know I'd taken too many steps too quickly, so the educators themselves were still just standing still, going like, "What's going on?" Like. What's good, what's happening? I don't understand. I'm now going. Let's sell you this dream over there, and I was I was 500 meters ahead of them, and they just couldn't relate to where I was. Um, and I'm now starting to see all the people actually getting their act together now. So maybe that product would have worked in this environment, um, but it definitely didn't work right in the beginning of everything. So what did start working? So so for us, it's it's. You know, we we realized early on that that people's minds like minds needed to shift. So we did a lot of idea presentations and a lot of guidance of this is where things are heading. This is what's happening. This is this is where you need to be. This is where you need to be thinking. And these are some ideas that can bring it to life. And on some of the clients, we've had to do that presentation or a variation of it six or seven times. But now, I mean, like I said to you before, we hit the record button. This week has been insane. Like all of those seeds that we were sowing and, and for feeling like we were going to go down, no one would ever sign another deal. Suddenly everyone has, you know, like all those messages have sunk in and they're now ready to start buying. Um, but what it has gifted us is that that first thinking of changing the business model and rethinking how you price things has filtered its way into the next iterations of our products. So we now have services that are priced in a way that people can pick them up quite quickly and not, and not have to commit the huge amounts of money that we used to, to offer them, but they actually lead into more work for us down the line. So I think we'll be in a stronger position at the end of all of this. Yeah, I mean, that's been my thoughts going in. I think a few things have, have changed. One of the biggest changes is, um, let's go back to reason to believe. Uh, Cyril took that away. Um, so when when they extended the lockdown for the first time, 
Uh, and I understand this is, let's say selfishly, I was like, thank goodness, because I, all of our clients were waiting. They were in a holding pattern. They would say, we just want to wait. After lockdown, we'll carry on. After yeah. lockdown, we'll carry on. The second, literally the deal started coming in for us, the second that the, the lockdown was extended the first time, because then people realized waiting is not a viable strategy. We actually have to carry on. And then when we did the next speech and they currently went down to level four, that's what I said to you. The last two weeks, we've now made pre-COVID uh, uh, targets, uh, even with new brand new products, by the way. But just because now people are trying to say they're adjusting and they're saying, okay, well, we've got to figure this out. We've got to go, mm. go forwards and figure out what we're trying to do. And, and um, I think that's a, a critical uh, shift that's gone through is that they lost their reason to believe that this will all be back to normal at some okay. point. Yeah. For us on the, on the, what worked was the, the literally like you sticking to a knitting. It's the, anything to do with the presentation space, two big things. One is there's an opportunity to be one step ahead of people uh, in terms of getting their events online. And that's somewhere we got out the gates quickly. And we've been doing a lot of work in that regard and really loving it. And then the second thing is realizing um, that if you had ever thought of getting into public speaking, it's amazing because people kept on saying to me, oh, if you're a public speaker, you know, you've got no work. We've got to think of other things to do. This is the build your brand. Are you mad? I, I did a talk yesterday. Like you, this, there's a land grab now because here's why. First of all, you may be doing a lot more talks at a smaller price, but you're not leaving home to do them. But when yeah. you were doing... In the past, when I was doing a live or an in-person event, uh, you know, the companies, let's say a big company like, I don't know, say NetBank, right? They might do uh, 10 big events a year or maybe 20 big events per year where they're booking a speaker. Now they're doing events a day, right? Some department in NetBank is doing an event every single day that's got like a thousand people in it. Mm -hmm. It's a... There's an absolute like it's it's a it's a bull market for speakers who are willing to take advantage of this and to create a price point where they can get in there. So we're building a lot of work for uh, people who are trying to become paid speakers. Bizarrely, those are the people who we're turning on. So a lot of independent speaker work as opposed to corporate work, and the corporate work is more in taking people online. That's super interesting. I mean, you know, a lot of our work is in around helping organizations to clarify what their purpose is. And and I think what you've done there is you've you've iterated around your purpose. You didn't fall off, you know, I think what's yours, you, you're trying to uh, save the world one board audience at a time. You're iterating around that. Just because you used to do physical events and and expensive videos and big shows, now you're just you're doing that same thing, but in a digital format. So you've you've managed to innovate, but stay true to who you are, so people can actually recognize who you are and what you're offering, um, even though the it's completely only different. The changed that we've discovered is that we've replaced bored with distracted, because audiences aren't bored anymore. The instant you're bored, you're no longer audience. So if you're on yes. an online event, the second you're bored, you're in LinkedIn, you know, or yeah. Facebook or wherever you are. Uh, so we're now saving the world. Yeah. So so that's been a big change, but it's been nice because we 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 realized that hey, um, the problem we solve in the world not only still exists, but exists in a more meaningful way right now. Uh, people need vocal lead, you know, that lead loud uh, vocal leadership more than they needed it before. So, so can I ask you what are you what are you going to keep? I mean, I think this is an interesting thing. So, so 
you know, we're not at the end of it, but we're starting to, I think we've scraped the bottom from a, an isolation perspective. What are you going to keep as you, you head deeper into this, um, this experience? Or what do you want to keep? So the first thing I want to keep is just the way of working. Um, I do not want to go back to arriving in an office at nine o'clock. I mean, when I say I will not, like we will not go back to that way of working ever again. Uh, we will meet at office times. <laughs> we'll meet at office times when we have to want to interact with each other. Uh, there's certain maybe in-person training. I see Kevin who runs training is, is on the call. Uh, but even for that, if we're trying to build a big global training business, why would we even, yes, we need a space locally to train that, but actually if we're building a business that is international audience first, then we should be training uh, people, you know, we can't be constrained to an office in four ways. Hmm. The idea as well of, of time changing, the, the model I've explained to people is that we're changing from having a workforce to a task force. In my mind, and I've been playing with this thinking, this idea is maybe not fully formed yet, but a workforce gets measured on a time at work. So when is this force at work? And it's how much time do you spend at work? Whereas a task force is work by time. How much work do you get completed by when it's supposed to be completed? And so we want to move to this idea of having a task force, a group of people that are trying to solve specific amount of tasks in a specific amount of time whenever they want. And what we've realized now is people have families and kids and lives and realizing that, hey, you want to take an hour off to, to play with your kid? Well, geez, by all means, do it. And some people have been saying, hey, we've been finding ourselves working later. That's not a problem as long as you took the morning off and you went for a nice walk. Uh, Jimbo, mm. who's on the on the call here as well, like he likes to go walk his dog in the morning, train at lunch, whatever. Like you can do whatever you want to do because you're no longer constrained to a time, banks of time. It was like this weird fake system that we were just accepted and we're never going to accept it again. It's just not going to be the way we work. If I could get out of our lease tomorrow, we would. You, what would you, what are you going to take with? And then we can come back to maybe products as a business. So, so I think it's definitely that. I mean, uh, the, the one thing that I've I've been forced to get much, much, much better at is is asynchronous communication. So, so when I brief someone or send over or ask someone for input, I need to think about everything that that needs to be contained in that conversation because it's not going to. It might not happen live. So, if you've got a question. I might only be able to answer you in six hours or seven hours when I turn on again. So it's it's making your communication a lot denser and a lot more specific. So it's going, hey, Rich, this is everything you need to know. This is the help that I need from you. And this is an ideal outcome that I would like. And this is by when. So when you see that communication, you can literally give me what I need so that I can, can do that work. Whereas in the old world, I could almost think out loud at you in the office environment and not have to really get that communication across very so well. You know one of the big benefits for asynchronous for me is it gives slower thinkers, and I don't want to say people who like to think slowly and process, um, the opportunity not to just react. So when we have a meeting right now, you say something to me, you're passing the ball over to me and I have to react quickly. If we're in a meeting, then what we're getting is surface level ideas. What we've loved about asynchronous meetings is that you put something out there and in their own time, some people can sit 
So I don't know what you use. We use Loom and Notion as a combination. So the host of the, the async records the uh, Loom video or writes something up there. They post that. Everybody else gets to view it, comment in it, go through it at a period of time. And then for me, I usually set a reminder of the time that I want to, to reach back in, which is a little bit of a what time the meeting ends, because I think it can just go on forever. I don't think that's functional. And then I review the content and we go through it. But um, yeah, I think it allows people to take some time to think of well, thoughtful answers. Uh, what do you use to do it at NiceWork? So we've, the two tools we've been using are Basecamp and um, Google Docs. So the Basecamp, Basecamp is for... Kills my soul. Sorry? Basecamp kills my soul. Uh. I, how I know <laughs> that you can have a product um, and a brand, how your brand and your product are different is I love, love Basecamp, the company. Like I'm big fans of the company and their thinking. And I hate Basecamp, the tool, but it's not designed for me. I think that's what they do really well, right? They're designed for people who like working that way and they're unapologetic, yeah. which is magnificent. So you use Basecamp for? The Basecamp is, is you put all the information there and then people question the information and, and start working. Google Docs is for those, you know, I'll do a batch of work. So I'll do like an outline of a presentation or an outline of a strategy. Um, and I'll put it online and I'll be like, oh, guys, you know, on Basecamp, I'll say, this is this is the draft. This is what I'm thinking. This is the inputs I need. This is where I'm having a problem. And then people live comments in the documents until such a time. And then I pick it up and kind of work it work it forward after that. So so it's a sort of combo of, of live commenting and then putting it all together at the same time. Um, right. Uh, the, the piece we're missing is is we've realized that by by having to put things into into pre presentable formats to speak internally or with partners takes up a lot of time so so this way we've we've actually shaved hours off the production process by not having to do that because people can almost see the process unfold as it happens which has been quite valuable yeah i find that as well so we've started doing asynchronous meetings with our clients as well so we create them a page on notion we write all the content up through for them we then record like a loom video a screencast just explaining to them how to use the page and then we invite them to that and it's like nice it's got embedded videos it's got everything it's just like a document but with embedded drop downs action items and then they approve that, and then they start working within that. So we actually build the care, believe, no do structure inside the same page the customer is now part of. So they're much more involved. We can tag them. And it means that we, we're able to have less meetings with the customer, but more interactions with the customer, which I'm really liking. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, like what you touched on, there's something that, that you know, I, I think is amazing is, is the IP on its own, you know, like this is your process and you're opening your clients up to its own theory. A client could do one project with you and then, and then not, you know, and then never need you again because they'll know exactly how you think and how you structure it. But the reality is it's not just your IP. It's also about the people who are applying it. Um, and by sharing your IP, you're actually inviting people into your world and you're allowing them to, to buy into your way of seeing it and your way of working. So they actually just become better and better clients for you and better and better evangelists of, of the work that you're, you're doing. 
So I find IP is two things. I mean, first to the first part, you know that quote, if action followed knowledge, we'd all have six packs, right? All of us are capable of knowing what it takes to have a six pack, but we don't do it. That's why we get a personal trainer. And sometimes that trainer just stands in front of you and tells you to do push-ups. Like you weren't taught anything. They weren't teaching you. They were holding you accountable. But what IP does is I found now that this care, believe, no do thing, like, like we, we wanted to come up with it because we wanted to make the act of developing presentations easier. Now, I don't for a single second, and I, 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 like I say this in my book, I always say to people, this isn't the only way to make it. It's just one of the ways that can work for almost any presentation. And once you know the basics, then you can play with it as you want. But having IP is one of the strongest reasons to believe. The fact that we have a codified structure and a methodology mm. For, for doing this to the point that this is what we're now working on for our online event space. Like what is our acronym, like our Hudenflugen, which is the, the first you who, then you flew, then you get them when you're yeah. organizing an online event. If we have a six-step checklist process that makes your best chance of having a successful event, people buy that. Uh, I, I totally get. I mean, I, I love that, but I think the in in the old world, like how many docs have you received where they're like, "Do not share this is proprietary. This is a proprietary <laughs> process. NBA. Nobody can see it. Nobody must understand how we arrived at this this thing." Like, I think those days are are, are long gone. And I think essentially by you codifying it and you training people in it, you've you've just made an army of people who are loyal to missing link in one way or another even if that's not how they see it they they think the way you want them you know like the in in the way you've given them and they they structure the information in that way which also makes your ip worth more um in the long run because there's more people thinking about it that way yeah like we had a meeting the meeting i had before was with a speaker we were working with in new york and when he was chatting to us he said i've been working on my reason to care and this is our first meeting with them so, so the idea that this is already codified as a way of thinking yeah. is a very, very strong draw to, to us as a business. Like yes. the word Prezzo, like we coined the word Prezzo uh, years ago. And now it's like a relatively, we thought like presentation was hated. Everybody hated the term presentation. We, I don't know if we can get away from it, but we can maybe make it sound a bit cooler. And I know it's not as a branding guy, it's not cool, but it serves its purpose. But now I hear the term Prezzo relatively generically thrown around and we know like hey that was us like, like missing link that was our thing like we were like hey we brainstormed it we came up and said let's go with present some people say prezo which sure kills my soul you sure it didn't mm -hmm. come out of australia because it feels like it could have originated in australia quite naturally yes. I mean, and, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, every word so every word in australia is just shortened with an o <laughs> yes yes um or an ozza um yeah so, so, so I've got two more questions for you before we close it out. Which is, what are the what are you going to remove from your, your services um, based on this experience? Like, what are you not going to sell anymore? Okay, well, I just spoke. So you, you first. Okay. So, so I'm not sure if it's a service thing, but I'm done pricing things out of line with the value that people in the market see. Because we we put price tags on things that we know are important and we know that they take a lot of time and that they're very expensive. The people we're selling them to don't care. So we need to move the costs from that space into a completely different piece of the project. Because there's bits of our work that people will pay an infinite amount of money for. And then there's pieces of our work that people don't want to pay anything at all. 
And then that's where you kind of end up stumbling and people pull that, they end up pulling those pieces of your solution out because they don't want to pay for them because they feel like they're too expensive because they don't see the value in them. So we've shifted that and we've actually mm. moved away from going, you're going to get five of these or 10 slides or, uh, you know, two minutes of animation because people don't see a value difference between one minute and two minutes. Like, you know, so, so as soon as you put that number in it, then they can go, okay, well, if I take that two minutes and I cut it down to one minute, can I half the price? And then you in a conversation, that's a, a, a loss. So, so we're definitely moving away from that as a, as a thing. So, so we won't price like that anymore. That's funny. I think I'm not saying we're going in the opposite way, but we where we want to get away from anything where the pricing is consultative. So we want to be a completely productized business. This is what you buy. This is the I want to be something that you could swipe your credit card on the website. The yes. amounts may not make that feasible, but I want it to be so bulletproof because these are the things that we're selling easier. We're selling, so we have we have a story to stage product which is we take your story and we turn you into a keynote speaker on the stage. It includes some training, it includes some strategy, it includes some content, and it includes uh, um, some leveling up training at the end. Oh. Right? We have a, a, a pages, page to stage, which is for business books. We have stadium to stage. It's the same product, for, which is for uh, uh, sports people. And we've got a few different categories, but the product's the same. And it's a formula. So we oh. want to get rid of this, hey, let's brainstorm some ideas and then we'll think up a product and we'll come back to you with some ideas. We, we want to lose the agency model. The next thing we well, want to do is you want to carry on, sorry. So I, I think we, we see me saying the same thing because for your swipeable product to work, I need to look at the product and I need to look at the price and be like, I'm going to pay for that. Yes. I'm not going to look at the underpinnings no. of it and be like, oh, am I going to pay Rich 4,000 Rand to do me a strategy? I don't know if that's worth it. You know, like I look at it and go, oh, story to stage, 10 grand, 50 grand, 500,000 Rand. I'm like, that is totally worth it. And I'll swipe my, my thing. And, and yes. I'm not getting into the detail of what it is that you're doing and getting in the way of you delivering your process because okay. I don't want to pay for that step in the, in the project. The next thing we've realized is to do with okay so actually i'm gonna i'm gonna go out there and tell you something that we've not said publicly this is literally the first time i'm saying this um i'm going to create a manifesto and i'm going to go public and explain why a missing link is absolutely no longer we're actually going to remove all forms of be from our business and we're going to make that no longer a metric that we measure against i uh, i am frustrated that in order for me to solve a certain problem, I can go to a friend's wife who will start a trust company for me, which kind of means nothing, and then I have the BE level I want. On the same token, I believe that we should be a good citizen in the country in which we operate. So we're creating an upliftment charter, and we're getting an upliftment board to hold us accountable to a whole bunch of those broad-based black economic empowerment metrics that we had before, preferential procurement, all of these things. So we're basically saying to our corporate clients that actually, no, uh, we're completely non-BE compliant, and if you don't want to do business with us, that's okay. So what we're saying, no, because and this is, but but we want to hold ourselves accountable. And the only way to make this real is we have to build an international offering. Uh, we are leaving behind a reliance on South African-only business. But we want to be a truly international company, and we want to price ourselves. That one of our rules is that um, we must price ourselves. We've chosen Denver, Colorado, as a random place, um, as if we lived in Denver. And um, we are going to sit there and we are going to build our business as if this is this, that what my staff, because we want my staff to be able to work from anywhere in the world they want to work. 
and to be a proper distributed or scattered workforce and to do meaningful work that's priced for the world. So that's a big deal for us, to stop being constrained. This has made me realize that it is easy for me to have a call with the last call with this guy in New York was as easy as the call I could have with Dustin, even though he lives 150 meters up there. And um, so we are no longer constrained. So so those those kind of two things are tied in with each other. I want to be a great citizen, but I no, wonder, no, wonder, no longer want to feel um, hamstrung by my customers and their policies. So, so you want to um, be a global anarchist and not just a local anarchist. Correct. But actually, I really do want to do good. I do believe that we should yeah. be uplifting people, but I don't think the current charter does that at all. No, I, I fully agree with you. It's probably too so, contentious so, for this, but yeah. <laughs> um, so, so as a final question, what like what are, what are what are the things you still need to do? Like, what do you what are your next steps, and what do you think people should be thinking about? We need to stop being distracted. So at the beginning of this, I'm sure like you guys at Nice Work, you we had to do what we had to throw all the spaghetti on the roof, and we had to to um, just hang on to the ones that worked that stuck, and we had to sell those. And a whole bunch of the stuff fell down, like that first idea we were talking about. And there was a time to say, hey, let's try this, let's try this, let's try this, let's try this. I think now we need to turn around and say, okay, we found the two things, the three things that we think will stick. It's our training, it's our creating keynotes for people who want to get onto stage, and it's our taking your event online. Nothing else. Now we yeah. need to try and work out how can we get hyper-focused, hyper-focused okay. on those things. I think the time for distraction and exploration, I think we're enough weeks in for us. You? So so the last piece we need to figure out is, is you know, like you, you mentioned earlier, is moving away from a consultative business model. So, so we're taking all of our thinking and all of our processes and we are turning them into things that somebody could buy on a website get delivered to their house and then deliver themselves. So, so it's taking, taking the best of what we've learned and making it something that somebody else can, can replicate for themselves. I think that's our Have you heard of the old agency? No. Greg Hickman, he was an EO member in Denver, Colorado, an EOA member, sorry, in Denver, Colorado. And um, I'm going to send a video to you that I think you must watch that absolutely blew my brain. Uh, like it was amazing and um if we can i don't know i always say you always hear guys on podcasts say hey we'll post it in the show notes i've never looked at a show note in my life like i'm always <laughs> writing my books <laughs> like show notes are where web links go to die <laughs> like, <laughs> but we can post it in the show notes and um, i'll send yeah. this link but it's an amazing he's created a method where he says when you start your business you're in dfy done for you so we do the work for our clients. Then you get to the, the, uh, the next part of the business, which is done with you. We create a yeah. framework. You do some of the work. We kind of help you get it done like this. And in fact, I'm very happy being a done with you business. We're currently mm -hmm. done for you. And he says, then at the very top of the, the structure of the outer ring is DIY. Do it yourself. You buy a methodology mm -hmm. for us and you do it yourself. And obviously there you're making money totally when you're sleeping. People are watching your videos. But I want to transcend from being a done-for-you business to being a done-with-you business, where you do a lot of the work based on our methodology, because I've already done the work. So I don't want to keep yeah. doing the work. I want to, to take the work I've done and leverage that. 
But I mean, I love that we we end up as a hybrid. So we're going to be um, the the done the done with you will be nice work, and the DIY will be work nice. So there'll be the two, and you you choose according to to your your need for engagement and your pricing. So that's 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 how you choose between the two. I love that, and this is why you're the branding guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so thank you very much for everyone who tuned in live um and thank you very much for listening you've been listening to radio a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs if you are an entrepreneur and you're looking to join an amazing organization um you can go to eonetwork.org and find out all the information you need Quick shout out to the sponsors of EO in South Africa, to, to LabourNet. You guys have kept almost everyone in business during this crisis. Um, and uh, to, to Bidvest, you guys are slowly becoming more relevant as we can all start driving around again. So we, we look forward to purchasing your cars. Um, please share us, like us, rate us, uh, play us to your wife or your husband or your boyfriend or the guy next door. Uh, because we believe that if you can share this knowledge and help someone out, it's an amazing thing. We'll catch you in the next one. Peace out. Later.